morning, afternoon, it's kind of in the middle. Greetings to everyone. Uh, if you want to open your Bibles, open to Romans chapter 12 first. That's where we'll be. I'm sure you guys have heard the phrase, change is inevitable. It's kind of worn out, doesn't carry a lot of meaning anymore. And unfortunately, people use it as an excuse now just to allow unsavory stuff to go on. You know, they look at something like Hollywood or uh, what can go on in public. They look at schools. And people just shrug their shoulders and say, ah, change is inevitable. You know, I mean, we've come a long ways from Rhett Butler in 1934 or 39, whenever it was, he made his expletive on the big screen for the first time. Uh, now you can see just about anything on the big screen. And people look at those things and say, well, change is inevitable. In fact, you know, in its most fundamental sense, it's absolutely true. Change is inevitable. I mean, you're different than you were 10 years ago. You're different than you were one year ago. Um, I'll suggest you're different right now than you were this morning. I mean, in less perceptible ways. You know, your hair's a little bit longer. Your fingernails are a little bit longer. You've burned some calories. You've consumed some calories. You, everybody got wet. <laughs> so change is inevitable. Um, but the change that I want to spend a few minutes on this morning or uh, today is not physical change. Uh, it's spiritual change. And the change that I want to focus on also is change that's because of a conscious effort. Not inevitable change. But change that we make a decision and... and exert effort to carry out. So in Romans chapter 12, if you look in the first two verses, again, these two verses are very familiar. Um, Paul writes, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now the word change isn't in this passage itself, but there are two words that are, that sort of carry the same idea we've just been talking about. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Which means, as you go forward, you're going to be closer to one or the other. Whether you like it or not. You're either going to be more like this world, or you're going to be more like... Jesus. And what he's encouraging the brethren in Rome to do is make an effort. Uh, because you're not going to be like Jesus through no effort. You're going to be like the world through no effort. Um, in fact, I would say this passage is the fundamental purpose and direction of a Christian. I mean, there's lots of things Christians do things Christians are supposed to say, things Christians are supposed to be, but none of those are possible without change. This, this underpins everything that we're supposed to be, is that we have to decide for ourselves, I'm going to make an effort to be different tomorrow than I am today. And I'm not, I'm not saying you know, we just kind of put this on the shelf in our head and say, well, maybe I'll be different in 10 years. That's not what Paul says here. He says, by the renewing of your minds, right? This is something that happens in your mind. This is something that happens to you because you make an effort. So now I'm going to ask you, are you different today spiritually than you were 10 years ago? 
I mean, just take a few minutes to think about 10 years ago. What is this? This is 2015, so it's 2005, right? I didn't ask if you were more like Jesus. I just asked if you were different, right? Because the answer for every one of you is yes, you're different. You may be more like Jesus. You may be less like Jesus, but you're different. Guarantee it. So are you different spiritually than you were one year ago? What about one week ago? I mean, if we're always changing, right, then we should be different. And, and obviously, as, as I made the point earlier with physical things, even spiritual things, as the time span gets shorter, the changes are less perceptible. That's, that's just how it works. But you know, there are physical processes going on in your body that guarantee you're different in the next minute than you are right now. You've had a few more heartbeats. That burns some calories, right? You, 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 you're not making a choice about these things. It's inevitable. So what about spiritually, though? Have you put processes, spiritual processes at work in your life so that even though, you know, I, I can't look in the mirror and see a physical change one second from now, I can't look in the mirror and see a spiritual change one second from now either, but have you put processes in place in your life so that you know as those processes are accomplished, you will be different? Or are you just sort of sitting back saying, well, God's going to zap me and I'll be different? Or I'm going to hang around with some people who are different and I'll just I'll start being different. That's not what Paul... Paul doesn't say, therefore, brethren, I urge you by the mercies of God, hang around with spiritual people to make yourself different. No, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because Paul later also writes bad company, right? Corrupts good morals. But that's not his instruction for being transformed, right? It's in your mind. So as there are physical processes going on in your body to make you different, even if you can't perceive it on a small scale, have you done the same thing with the spiritual processes God has created? If you have, you will be different. You're different than you were one year ago. You'll see it. You're different than you were. And I, and I don't mean different in the bad way, right? But less like the world and more like Jesus. Can I have confidence that I'm just a little bit different today than yesterday? Well, again... If I believe God's Spirit is working in me, I can. I can take comfort in that. Right? I'm exercising my spirit. I'm in the Word, understanding what I need to do differently. I'm doing things that I've been designed to do by God. If I'm doing those things, I can look at that and say, you know what? I know because I'm doing that, and because these are spiritual processes God has put in me, that I'll be different tomorrow than I was today, somehow. And I'll be more like Jesus. How do I know? I mean, that, right, that's, that's the question that floats up you know, all the time. How do I know? Look, look over in Romans 13, one chapter from where you're at. Romans 13, beginning in verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, 
you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Well, this is how I know. Do I love my neighbor? Am I committing adultery? Am I murdering, which Jesus said, hating, right? Is Is equal to murder, right? Am I stealing? Am I coveting? What about in the second part? Am I behaving as am I behaving properly as in the day? Carousing in drunkenness. Am I just looking for a good time? Looking for a party? Looking for just I, I don't want to ever be sober. I would rather everything just be, you know, a joke. Nothing serious. Everything is levity. Nothing really carries weight. Not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, right? You know, sometimes we, and I guess I'll speak for myself, sometimes we look at these, these commandments against sexual promiscuity and sensuality, <coughs> sexual sins, and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm pure, I'm clean from that. And we can kind of puff ourselves up when the fact of the matter is we just never had an opportunity. Does that make us obedient because we never had the opportunity? It doesn't. It makes you coincidental. <laughs> and God doesn't command coincidence. So sometimes we look at these things, well, I'm not a thief. Well, is that because you were never hungry enough? Or are you really not a thief? Right? There's a difference. I can tell you for certain I'm not a thief because mainly I'm a coward. Right? If I steal from somebody, mo- I mean, look at the size of me, right? Most likely they're going to be bigger than me, right? Just by the size of people in the United States, <laughs> right? I mean... That doesn't make me obedient to the command, do not steal. That makes me coincidental. Right? I have to examine myself and say, do I, would I ever steal? Do I try to justify those things? So some of these things we look at, like I, I, look, I feel really good when I read through this list. Right? No drunkenness, no sexual promiscuity, no strife, no jealousy. Um, makes me feel pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm A-OK. But the fact of the matter is, I think God has protected me from facing many of these temptations. And if I look at Job, maybe the reason is he knows I'd fall. I don't know that. 
But this last sentence makes me uncomfortable. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. That word provision means you're providing an opportunity. Again, kind of the worn out example that's used often is the alcoholic who keeps the one bottle tucked away, right? Yeah, I've been dry for five years, man. But I've got to keep that one bottle there just to know, right? This is what's stated. Just to know that I still have control. That's a lie. That's a lie. So whatever sort of provision you're making for yourself, right? You're saying, well, you know, I've given this up and I've been away from this sin for so long, but I sort of keep it in my hip pocket to tell myself I'm, I'm strong enough. Well, you are absolutely 100% disobeying this statement. Make no provision for the flesh. You are providing for the flesh. And that's when I get uncomfortable. It's like, wow, you know, maybe I just sort of keep the temptations around me because I don't take them seriously. And I don't really worry about it. I don't even turn a critical eye on myself or my surroundings. And in, the, in that way, I'm making provision. So that when a moment of weakness comes, it's there for me. Right? I can fall right into it, nice and comfortable, and then I'm, I'm in sin. That's the kind of change we're called to. Right? Is not wanting the sin or the opportunities around us. That we push them out of our lives. So these are some things that we can look at, right? If I want to know if I'm changing. Am I pushing these things out of my life? So are you different today than you were yesterday because of these things? And here's the harder question. How confident are you that you're going to be different tomorrow than you are today? Different in a better way. Right? Are, are you taking hold of God and Jesus so seriously that you can look in the Scripture and say, right here is why I'm confident that I'm going to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today? Nobody can do that for you. And I can't stand up and judge you. And honestly, I thank God that I can't do that. I don't want that responsibility. I've got enough on my own hands with myself. And you have yourself. Are you intent, right? Is it even your intention? Are you determined to be different tomorrow than you are today? Because if you're not, you won't be. At least you won't be more like Jesus. You'll likely be different, but you won't be more like Jesus. Look over in Philippians chapter 2. So there's a bunch of things we're supposed to cast out of our lives, right? All these things we just saw in, in Hebrews. But in Philippians 2, we see some things that, are, that should take their place. Beginning in, in verse 2, I'm sort of picking up in the middle of a sentence and ending in a sentence. But Philippians 2, beginning in verse 2, Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. 
Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to give some examples of Jesus' attitude. But what I want to focus on are these first things that he directly states that we should do. These are the things that are supposed to take the place of the other things that we've cast out of our lives. Unity. Right? Unity with our brethren in mind, in love, in spirit, and in purpose. And humility-driven service. If those things have pushed out everything else in your life, you won't have time for sin, honestly. I mean, you talk about making no provision for sin. You spend your energy, your life, your time serving other people, and you'll know what it means to not have time and make no provision for sin. I mean, I've just kind of touched the tip of the iceberg in my own life and seen the results, right? I, I, can't, I can tell I don't spend my life in service to other people, but I can tell you that when I have spent time and effort in service to other people, I get to the other side of it, and I'm like, where was the opportunity for me to sin in that? Never presented itself. Wasn't there. Are you intent, right? And that's what Paul says, intent on one purpose. Are you intent on the same purpose as the brothers and sisters sitting around you? How do you know? Do you discuss purpose with them? Do we all just assume, well, we're sitting in the same room, must be the same purpose? That doesn't sound like intent, right? Sounds like coincidence again. That takes effort. Do you regard the rest of us as more important than yourself? Are you planning and working right, for others' interests as you would your own? And I stand before you as guilty of not doing that. I mean, I spend a lot of time planning and working on my life and my future and the things that I need in my life. And if somebody else's need happens to fall into my lap, I'll help out. But I'm, I'm not looking out. Paul says looking out, right? Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Am I looking out thinking, where is Stephen in life? What's coming up? What's going on? How can I anticipate for him? as I would for myself, what's coming up in my life, what's coming down the road. People, I don't do that. And it's not because I don't like you. I'm just, this is my failing, right? We have to do that.
know, none of these changes that we're talking about, like, they don't result in salvation. You know, you don't work your way to heaven by saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make myself like Jesus, and then he's going to save me in the end. These changes are the result of salvation. You don't get saved because you say, well, I'm going to make myself like Jesus. Jesus saves you, and then he makes you like him. But it takes effort on your part. We have to want it. I mean, I, I used to work with a guy, he was an engineer, and he would always try to, he got tired of shoving solutions down people's throats, right? He would go someplace that had a problem, and he'd say, I see this problem, and I've seen it 500 times, here's the solution, and eh, we don't want that. And his saying was, you got to want it. Right? He would just go around saying it constantly, and he would say it back to me, like, hey, why didn't these people implement this solution? Well, they got to want it. If you don't want to be like Jesus, you're not going to be like Jesus. You've got to want it enough to, to do something about it. And that's what Paul's saying here, right? Look out for others just like Jesus looked out for you. He planned your salvation before this world was created. You personally. Your salvation. That's a lot of planning. Right? It's way ahead of time. I need to do that for you. Let's look at two more passages and see again how this happens. Galatians chapter 3. I'll just read one verse. And sometimes it's not used in this sense. But Galatians 3 verse 27 says, For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is what I mean by saying our, these changes that we, want, we need to make in our lives don't result in salvation. That baptism in Galatians 3 27 is when we put Christ on and then the changes start. It begins. Do you remember the wedding party parable that Jesus taught? You know, somebody showed up at the wedding party and they didn't have the right clothing on. And he said, who are you and how did you get in here? How did you even make it into the party without the right clothing? Cast him out of here into darkness and gnashing of teeth, right? This is how we put on the clothing. And it's the first day that we begin the changes that we're talking about. It happens at that point. Look also in Romans chapter 6. This will be our last passage. Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 4. Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Do you see how that's the point at which the change starts? We are raised 
from baptism to walk in newness of life. That's change. We were buried in baptism because our old self was crucified with Him. That's change. But those are events. There is ongoing change that must happen. So the questions I want to leave you with are these. If you have been baptized into Jesus Christ and you have put Him on, then ask yourself, are you intent on being transformed or not? And just be honest with yourself. Don't say, well, I think I am, right? It's just yourself. (laughs) Paul makes it clear we can deceive ourselves, right? So I'm not knocking that. You can deceive yourself. I'm saying don't deceive yourself. Am I intent on being transformed into Jesus? If the answer to that is yes, then ask yourself and be honest again, what are you doing to be transformed into Jesus? And have Scripture to back it up. This is what I'm doing because Paul wrote X. This is what I'm doing because Peter wrote Y. This is what I'm doing because Jesus did it. That's the simplest one. I see Jesus doing it. That's what I'm going to do. If you have not been baptized, these changes will make you a really great person. These changes will make you someone I want to be around, just personally. These changes will make you more productive in society. But these changes aren't going to save you. You've got to put on Christ in baptism if you have not. And then focus on these changes. So as I said at the beginning, change is inevitable. You're changing right now. And if you make no effort, you will go along just like sitting on a, a boat in a river. The river will carry you. This world will carry you to be just like it. If you want to make an effort to be like Jesus, it's going to require just that. Not just going along, making an effort. But you're going to change, for better or for worse. So we're going to sing a song that Robin has selected, and the the purpose of singing that song is to encourage you to think about the things that we've looked at in Scripture. To consider whether or not you need to change And whether it's during the song or after the song or after we've had prayer or whatever, take an opportunity to talk to someone next to you and say, you know, I need to change and I need help with change. And either we can pray for you or we can sit down and study. Anything that you need, we're prepared to do. Because we all need to be more like Jesus tomorrow than we are today. Problem?